What up? You're listening to the Lifestyle Practice Podcast. We gon' make it all the way. We don't care what they all will say. Don't listen to the hate, no. Listen to my fate, yo. Destined to be great, yo. What's up, man? I hope everything is going well for you. Congrats on the podcast again. I think you guys are doing an amazing job. Just reaching out to let you know, we did 1018000 this year. So over 100% growth in one year. Can't thank you enough, man, for giving me the confidence to kill it and helping me through the whole process. Thanks again for everything, and I hope you and the family have an amazing 2020. This was the letter I received. We had just finished up coaching in November, and I got this letter over Christmas. And I'm going to read a few more that we got unsolicited from clients, and then hopefully it's going to tie back into the end of the podcast. Another one we that we just finished with the client. This year has been by far the most growth I've experienced as a human since my growth spurt back in middle school. My personal take-home income has increased 2.78 times, and my mindset is to 10 times this in the next 10 years. I worked 155 days this year, 20 hours a week as a dentist. I read on average four books per month. I have developed confidence in myself, dismantling the scarcity mindset that I grew up with, improved the time and relationships with my family, lived more intentionally, had more time to think and meddle about my purpose in this world, and have spent the best year this far with my wife. I cannot thank TLP enough for being a true mindset shifter in my business and personal life. The biggest takeaway I've received is that my goals previously were set too low. I truly want to grow until the day I leave this earth. Salute Justin, Derek, and Steve. Keep changing lives. Don't let up. The last one. This is with a client that we just started with in November. A few weeks ago, when we were scheduled at around $40,000 for the month, I told the team I wanted us to hit $60,000 by the end of December. The next day... We lost a six-unit full-fee case. We grinded on and finished the month producing just under 59000 Last December, we did around 35000 Better yet, we've collected over 60000 so far with another week of insurance payments to go. I'm really excited about the direction we are going, and the staff seems to be getting more engaged as well. Hopefully this break will recharge all of our batteries, so we'll be ready to go in January. Hope you and your family had a great holiday. Talk to you after the holidays. Like I said, these, and there are more letters that, for whatever reason, clients were nice enough to send over the holidays, each of which were unsolicited. We didn't ask. We didn't say, hey, can you send us uh, a testimonial? 
give me an update how things are going. We may do that from time to time, but we didn't on any of these. And I will say, I know none of us at TLP think that we're the perfect coach, nor do we feel there is a perfect coach. We always know and will always know we can improve. And we are constantly working to improve our coaching performance. And you never get ahead by knocking someone else down. And you won't hear us doing that at TLP or on this podcast. And really, if that's what you need to do to make a buck, it's not a good sign. And like I said, even though we know we're not perfect, I see behind the scenes with Derek, Steve, and myself. And I can tell you, you will not find other coaches that care more about their client's success or work harder for them than we do. I know I can speak for each of us that when a client signs up, our initial thoughts are immediately, let's get to work. And what do we need to do to make sure this client hits or exceeds the goals that they have? And our success rates speak for themselves. And I don't say that in a boasting way. It's just a matter of fact. And hard work pays off. And we put in the work and we expect our clients to put in the work if they're serious about hitting the goals they have. So I'm just going to leave this right here as we move on. And it will tie in a little bit more at the end of the podcast today. So, Steve, I'm joined by Steve today. How are you doing today? Justin, I am doing great. Good to be with you. I loved hearing those testimonials. That's great. Those were like the best Christmas presents this year. But I'm doing good. I'm actually just uh, tucked away in a corner downstairs trying to talk quietly so I don't wake all my kids up, which is what I usually do for these podcasts. But things are good. How are you doing? Are, are you living in Florida this time of year, Justin? I'm doing good, Steve. Thanks for asking. We leave for Florida in two days. So today's tonight's Tuesday, I believe. And we're leaving Thursday morning. So I'm excited. Hunting season is tomorrow night. will be the last hunt. And come home, finish packing, head out Thursday morning, and we'll be down there. We're driving because we're going to be down there for a while. I don't have to rent a car for months at a time and should be good. So we're excited. I checked the weather today, high 79, low of 68. So are we struggling, struggling for the gospel? Playing the cards right there. <laughs> Let me ask you, Steve, before we get started on today's podcast and topic, what's a financial goal you have for 2020? Hmm. That's a good question. Getting down to the nitty gritty. Let's see. This year, I thought about this over the holiday break. I wanted to increase my take home 10% from last year without working anymore. For me, I think that's a fair but significant goal because we worked pretty hard and maximized things pretty well last year. So we want to keep things going and bump it up 10 more percent. And then the second thing is I want to put 75% of our take-home income into a set of diverse passive income streams. 
my wife and I, we have a goal for financial freedom in a couple of years. And so we're trying to maximize the dental practice to kind of fuel that. And that's what we're going to do this year. Those, those are my two financial goals. Nice. And I like how you say it. That's not what we're hoping to do this year. That's what we're going to do this year, period. Yeah, it, it should happen. It's it's lining up. So You've got a good track record. I'll give you that. And it's nice when you can do something with 75% of your income and the remaining 25 still makes you probably in the top very high percentile of Americans or Earth inhabitants. Yeah, we're really fortunate and we don't forget that. Actually, we had to choose to live, to spend more. Like our first year or two out of school, like I was just in student mode, which is fine. But now we're like, we've been spending a lot on memories and family trips the last year and a half. So we, we want to keep doing that as well. You guys got any trips planned for this year? We went to Disney World two weeks ago and then we just went to Myrtle Beach last week. So we'll probably do those again once or twice this year kind of we're kind of in the southeast we just like drive three or four hours from where we're at and do these little you know three or four day trips it's fun yeah and when i do that i end up in arkansas or something no offense alex sharp but it's like hey kids get out of the car we're in little rock doesn't have the quite the same ring as myrtle beach or disney world a couple things to follow up off your question number one your wife doesn't bring in any income right no. Nope. Not that she doesn't work. She has six kids, so I'm sure she works hard and she's very busy. But I just wanted to clarify that, that you're not really a dual income family. And then do you have any ideas or examples of these passive income streams that you're referring to that you are going to check out or add to or what have you? Yeah. So real estate. So single family homes. We have a small growing portfolio of single family homes that... We can expand or snowball a little bit. Do you have any others? I know you have some by me in the St. Louis area. Do you have any anywhere else? Nope. I actually looked at a, a few packages right nearby me, but I ended up going another route at this time at least. I have a few hard money lending deals. Some of them are with real estate groups. There's a, a group that flips homes and then a group that buys them, rehabs them, and rents them. And... They don't want to go through banks, so I kind of finance them, and they just give me 11% notes. And then I put a lot into the market the last two years, just a good old boring index fund. And interestingly enough, that has been by far and away <laughs> the biggest ROI. It won't always be like that, but I've just been focusing a lot on my practice, and so that's just been an easy place to park things for now. And then this year, we're going to be hopefully investing in some businesses. So... Yeah, it's it's fun. I mean, rocking the dental practice is awesome. And that's the motor that makes everything go. But the real rush is when you're putting money away and passive income and just having it just grow money on a tree. It's, it's, it's a pretty incredible feeling, really. I mean, you know, <laughs> but it's pretty awesome. It's pretty awesome. You, you can work without bending over, you know. I don't know where you're going with that, Steve, but I'm going to take your word for it. <laughs> dental, dental reference there. <laughs> about these businesses, I don't want to get off topic. Are these like businesses you guys are starting or you're investing in other businesses that are already up and running? 
No, no, no. Yeah, we're investing. So basically just uh, trying to establish networks with lots of people way more talented than me and just kind of hooking my my uh, wagon to what they're doing. And basically, uh, you know, all of them are, are kind of working great, but we'll just kind of see which is best and kind of invest more in it. But I think we're kind of diversified right now. And I'm really kind of just learning a lot about different income, passive income, I guess, strategies. And so it's kind of a Almost like a fun game at this point. You're still rocking the real estate, right? I mean, you own like half of St. Louis now. Is that? Is that? <laughs> yeah, we do stocks, a little bit of that, fair amount of real estate, and we also do hard money lending, like you're talking about. Granted, I get twelve percent almost mine, but I don't. I don't want to bring that up. Of course, of course. <laughs> <laughs> Have you started your modeling agency? No. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. No. Yeah. So. Good. I'm glad for you. And you have to keep us updated on that throughout the year. And we really need to do a podcast on our real estate investing. I know that's a big part of all three of our lives. We need to talk about it. So, Yeah, I think people like it. We need to give the people what they want. <laughs> and that is uh, probably for us to shut up. So no, let's get started. Today's topic is called how to make yourself irreplaceable in your associate ship and in life. It's not just for associates, folks, although it, a lot of it is. It's good for future associates or practice owners who are maybe looking to get associates, stuff like that. So, and really, even if you have nothing to do with associateships ever, it's going to be some good life lessons here, I think. So, let's jump in. We hear from a fair amount of docs who are questioning their associateship opportunities, contracts, pay, opportunity all around, however you want to define that, et cetera. And we don't beat around the bush that we believe ownership is eventually the best path. But we understand an associateship can be a good and likely path for many doctors out there. I'll be honest, often these stocks that we hear from are often complaining that they're not getting paid enough only get the leftover cases, no room for advancement, etc. And yes, of course, we definitely believe you need to negotiate the best deal you can, and you should have an attorney look over that contract, etc. Those are givens. And sometimes it's really good opportunities. It's a great practice. They do the kind of dentistry that this doctor may want to do. But... They're not guaranteed a buy-in opportunity, maybe. Or maybe they're not starting off making what they want to make. So they email us a lot of times complaining. And I know that you associates out there, or soon-to-be associates, aren't going to like to hear some of this. But it is for your own good, and if you can take it to heart and listen, I promise it will help you get ahead. But I sense, bottom line, I sense a lot of entitlement, like you're owed something. And the truth is, you're not. None of us are owed anything. Life doesn't owe me any more than it owes you, that it owes the next person. And the sooner we can realize this and accept it, the better off we will all be, in my opinion. Let's talk about it from the owner's doc, the owner doc's perspective for a second. They've likely worked hard to get to the place where they even need an associate. Didn't happen overnight. 
They've taken the risk. They've taken on debt. They've put their neck out to take over practice, run their own business. They've managed employees. They've managed patients. Blah, blah, blah. They've done a lot to get where they are. And you're coming into their home. You're a guest. And that doctor who you're working for or thinking about working for is worth a ding. You've got to prove yourself. Like I said, they don't owe you a thing. They're inviting you into their house and giving you a chance to prove yourself. And just like if I invite you over for dinner to my house and you don't come over the first time and sit at my place at the head of the table. And I'm speaking in metaphorical terms here. I don't actually sit even at the head of our dinner table, but you get what I'm saying. And if you want to be invited back, you be a good guest. You say how good the food was, whether it was good or not. You offer to help with the dishes, help clean up. And you don't say, man, the chicken was good, but I really thought we were going to have steak, guys. And almost across the board. And if you're an associate or soon to be an associate, you need to know this. And I can almost guarantee if you work hard enough to be in a position of being a practice owner that needs an associate someday, you're going to feel the same way about that. Totally agree. Totally agree here. You know, just put yourself, pre-owners and associates, for a moment in your in the owner's shoes. How much they've put into the practice. Just like Justin said, risk, financial debt, years of work, years of stress to build what they have. It isn't easy to just hand the car keys over to another doc to start using your staff and your office and working on your patients. Patients that you paid a lot of marketing to get into your office and have worked to give a great experience to, to keep in your office. Also, and I don't know, I don't have an, an associate, so maybe this is conjecture, but think about paying, you know, five to eight staff, front desk, assistants, hygienists, and then adding a doctor to your payroll. You know, associates, you know, we want to earn as much as possible. Obviously, you want a good daily rate or preferably a, a good percentage of collections, but a dentist is not an, a cheap employee. And you need to think of owners who are signing the front of a lot of checks before they ever sign the back of their own. And, you know, I could be wrong on this, but if the practice that you're associating at is doing less than, you know, one and a half million in collections, really everything you're working is kind of coming off the owner's plate. He's making room for you there. You know, maybe he wants to work less, he or she wants to work less or has a, you know, a different practice vision, but really they're sharing the plate with you more or less. We want you to work. We believe you deserve it, you know, deserve to work hard and, and earn your own. But just think from, from the owner's perspective, what it is that they're giving to have you there really. And it's a lot, it's a lot in a way. And let's be honest, a lot of docs who are hiring associates are thinking, likely thinking that they're going to want to kind of kick back a little bit and cherry pick a bit on the cases. They've earned that right. They're thinking most of them, not all of them. A lot of them are thinking that they're going to have their associates start with some of the grunt work, maybe some of the stuff they like to do less. And then possibly over time, if that associate makes themselves indispensable, if they make the practice run better, they make it more profitable, then and only then will there be room for advancement 
either in pay or cases or maybe a buy-in opportunity. The hiring doc has earned that right to want and expect those things. If you don't like that, go find someone else. You know, it's their call. And if you're not there yet in your own practice or your own life, you will likely want those same things someday when you get to that point. So keep that in mind. Your degree is just your admission ticket, just like it was my admission ticket at some point, just like it was Steve's at some point. And maybe you're great, and maybe you're not quite great yet. But either way, you have to prove it and earn it. Or at least in my opinion, a doctor who is worth working for is going to feel that way. Crappy docs with crappy offices, maybe all it will take is a pulse. But I can tell you, I was hiring, and I'm sure I can speak for Steve and Derek. If I was hiring an associate, I'm going to drill you like you're wanting to date my daughter. But if you get in, if you pass that test and you play your cards right, you're going to learn a ton about how to run a very successful practice. So how do you make yourself valuable? How do you make yourself indispensable? How do you become someone worthy of a raise, better cases, a possible buy-in opportunity if you want that? And I want you to listen to this point. And to be clear, I didn't get asked by a bunch of owner docs to cover this topic. I'm not saying this because at the end of this, I'm going to put an ad out to hire an associate for my non-existent practice. This isn't a trick. This is really the mindset of how you get ahead in life in general. And here are the questions you should be asking yourself, not only in associateships, but in life. You may have to tweak a little bit for life, as you'll see. So, questions you should be asking for yourself inside an associateship. What can I do for this office? What can I do for the owner doc? How can I help them and make their life easier? How can I add value to this office opposed to coming in with some entitled attitude of what can this office give me? I think it was JFK, Steve, who said, ask not what this office can do for me, but what I can do for this office. That's a correct historical reference. Thank you. Good job. Yes. Yep. And that's what you'd want in an employee too, if you can really be honest with yourself and ask yourself that. Regardless if you own or not, you probably know if you had the choice of an assistant or hygienist who is constantly asking for a raise, asking for more time off, sitting in their office, checking their email between patients versus someone who works hard. And when their work is done, is coming to you and saying, hey, what can I do now, boss? What can I do for you? How can I help your office better? What are things you see I can improve in? Do you mind if I observe how you do this procedure so that I can get better to better serve your patients? In my opinion, that's what the best, brightest, and smartest associates do. If I had a successful practice, that's what I'm looking for. That's the person right there who's coming up and asking, hey, what can I do? What can I do to help you, serve you, learn better, help your office grow? 
And even now, if I want to go work for another doctor, you know, let's say I wanted to pick up a few hours in an office, that's the same exact attitude I'm going in, regardless if I have past experience, regardless if I have a coaching company, regardless of anything I've done before, I'm still that new person going into their office. And I'm probably going to kick your ass if I'm going head to head with another associate because I know how to play the game. And I am going to kiss, not not kiss the butt to just kiss butt, but I'm going to make myself indispensable. That's what I'm going to do. If I'm going head to head with you and an associate, I'm going to make my myself indispensable. But so few doctors get it, man. They think me, me, me. This is how you raise your business acumen. Look at yourself or your position through the eyes of your superior or the clients in which you're serving. It's the same in any business. And it's the same with your patients. If you're looking at your patients from the mindset of, what can this patient do for me? You're going to have a much, much lower glass ceiling than from the mindset of, what can I do to best serve this patient? I know it's easy to hear, but hard to live out. I know it. But in business, these are the things that put you ahead. Very true. And when you're out there evaluating opportunities for an associateship, you bet we think you should try to get the absolute best pay and setup possible. Really, you should be, and this deserves a podcast in its own, what to do when you get out of school, but you should be looking at opportunities that can give you significant mentorship, preferably clinical and business, opportunity for reps in specialty procedures, and then just general growth, clinical and business. And perhaps, you know, in ownership in the practice in some form. No doubt you need to be seeking those things out. But once you're in the door, once you're working for your owner doc, putting in the effort to build his or her practice to help however possible, that is the attitude and the value add that you bring to the owner. And then that will open those doors to you. If you want those opportunities, if you want that growth, you give to them and then they'll be open to give back to you what you're looking for. I mean, exactly what Justin's saying. If you go into it thinking me, me, I'm just using them until I get my own practice. I'm using them to get experience or whatever it is. You're just going to limit yourself. But if you think, how can I build their practice? What value can I bring? You cast your bread out and it comes back tenfold, so to speak. Yep. And I know there are three different types of groups listing probably right now. There is the business owner saying, preach it, brothers. And for the record, this is not a license to be a jerk or take advantage of associates. We're not for that either. There are associates or soon-to-be associates thinking this doesn't apply to them, that are tuning this out or maybe even getting mad that we're discussing it. And they're fighting against it and maybe even thinking, maybe I'll try a little bit of this. Maybe I'll take a little nibble. But if my boss doesn't give me a raise right away, that's it. And then there's a smaller group, probably smallest. They're listening and taking it in, taking it to heart and thinking, believe it or not, guys, you're right. I need to go in tomorrow and ask my boss 
What can I do to help you grow your practice? What can I do to better support you? Even if you feel like you're already working hard, what can you do better? And those that really do that and are willing to put in the effort without thinking me first are going to get opportunities others don't in their current position and in life in general. And maybe you'll be able to slink by for a while with a me first attitude. But whether you're an associate or an owner, I guarantee you it is going to limit you. Yeah, for sure. You know, and I think a lot of associates, it's probably natural to do this. You know, from at least what I see on social forums, they feel like their owner doc isn't very capable or they feel that they could do a a better job if they were the owner. Well, as an aside, if you really feel that way, you should go out and do it. We're behind you 100%. But in your situation right now, rather than resent, you know, the owner doc because he or she doesn't have something as efficient or as organized as you think it should be, go ahead and offer to help in the area that you see a problem. You know, what does this look like? Rather than complain about the owner's employees, go ahead and offer to the owner to spend some extra time with that one team member that's not quite getting it and do some training. Suggest, not necessarily correct, but suggest a change in, you know, something like the recall system. And you go ahead and offer to work with the front desk and the hygienist to implement something that's more consistent that will boost office production for everybody. All these things will build a practice. They'll increase your value and open your future opportunities. And it'll be a lot more helpful than just thinking in the back of your mind that you're probably better than this owner doc. And we should say there are some situations out there. And if you find yourself stuck in one where you're really getting taken advantage of, or this is just like a dead end job, we are all about, you know, moving yourself to a better situation. Let's make that clear. But if you're just thinking in the back of your mind, you know, he's just, he or she just isn't getting it. Try some of these things first. Try to add value. Try to think from their shoes and basically build the practice for the doc alongside him rather than working against him. Yep. I think we all know, or we should know, the best leaders and best business owners put others first. I struggle with selfishness as much as the next guy or gal. But at my office, the more I poured into my team and my patients, the faster my practice grew, period. So it's a great skill to learn. And if I'm being honest, at the root of treating my patients and team good probably had some selfishness weaved in with it in the motivation as well. Because honestly, it did help me in the end. And if you're thinking right now that this is just a public service announcement on how to be a better person, I can tell you you're missing the point. Our goal is this is not just to help you be nicer or to be a better person. That's not it. Not that those are bad things, but that's not really our point even. Yes, putting others first is a great life lesson. But I'm telling you, this is gold in business as well. And I think it was Zig Ziglar I could be wrong, that said, the easiest way to get everything in life you want is to help others get everything they want. And him as well. He wasn't just trying to help people be a good person or be a better person. It is literally the key to getting ahead. 
but like most things in real life business, it's counterintuitive. It's not the path that majority of people take in their business. And that's why they struggle to get ahead or create or achieve uncommon levels of success. I have an associate that comes in. This is an example here. I have an associate that comes in that has a few hours open in their schedule. And they're in the office checking emails or silently huffing and puffing that they're not completely busy all the time. Or they come to me complaining. To me, that shows weakness. It shows me someone who doesn't get it. It shows me someone who doesn't have 100% ownership over their emotions. It doesn't show strength. That's not someone I'm going to open up more of my business to or that I want to join arms in with. Versus, if I have an associate that is humble and comes to me and says, Dr. Short, I have a few hours open today in my schedule. Is there anything I can do to help or support you? or to help out your office? Would it be okay if I went and picked up some bagels and took them to a few of the offices around us with some of our business cards, with some local businesses? That is what shows strength and confidence in who they are to me. That is someone who gets it. And that is going to be someone who I look to give more responsibility to and to help them out and to look for opportunities to advance them because I don't want to lose somebody like that, you know, versus someone who's going to try to get their way by whining and throwing a fit and only looking out for number one. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. Fun example of this. So I recently had an assistant leave for college. And so we were hiring another assistant, you know, this is different than an associate dentist, but it illustrates the principle here. We had two people that spoke well when I initially met with them. And so we invited them each back for a half day working interview. The first one came in in the morning and she was okay. I think she asked, you know, where's the break room at some point in there. I'm like, that's not the question you want to ask. It's like, ask where the mop is or something. But at the end of the working interview, she, she said she would basically like a little higher starting pay. And I can respect, you know, her initiative there. So I shared if she can show her value, then that's fine with me. Then an hour later, after lunch, the next working interview applicant came in and she showed up with custom name tags for everybody in the office that she had gone out and had made as a gift to us. Boom. Yeah. And can you guess who got the job that pretty much moment almost that very same day, you know? So one person came in and trying to see what is in all of this for me. The other came in th- thinking, how can I add and help the team? Night and day difference. And it really just left a huge impression on everybody. Same thing with our, our associate docs, same idea. What are you bringing or what are you expecting? Yep. That was a great example. That was really good. I thought you were heading down towards the path. That the, I thought you were going to say the first guy was talking bad about her, her previous employer, something like that, which is something common. But that's another topic in and of itself. That was a great illustration. Really even kind of going to that point, it's so hard for people to even just talk good about others. You know, am I wrong? And the dental world is no different. There is this feeling we build someone else up, it's going to take the focus off us, off of me, 
you know, it's going to elevate them and decrease me. And that's a scarcity mindset that comes from fear and a lack of confidence in who you are and what you have to offer. I'll tell you what, if I had the choice of working with someone who isn't afraid of talking good about others, who's a champion of building others up, that's who I want to join forces with. Not the person who is putting little jabs or talking bad about people behind their back, trying to make themselves look or sound good. To me, that's what shows confidence. It shows strength. And the opposite shows fear and desperation. And it's not easy sometimes. You know, none of this, I don't think for a second, is easy. It's not easy to humble yourself or make yourself put in a little bit extra effort or work harder and go up to your boss and say, hey, I've got a few minutes. What can I do? Or can you just tell me, you know, some areas that you see I could help your office better, stuff like that. It's not easy. You know what? Most people aren't going to do it. And most people don't achieve uncommon success. And that's what we want. You know, at TLP, we believe in 100% ownership. And we don't believe in doing easy. That's all we have today. I hope you take these principles and I hope you run with them. We appreciate you listening. As always, we'd appreciate you introducing someone you know to the podcast and or leave us a review on iTunes. That would be amazing and actually a great way to put what we've discussed today in action. But honestly, that was not the intention. So, Right. If you'd like to touch base or have questions, feel free to reach out. If you have a problem in your associateship, if you're looking for a new associate job, we'd love to connect with you over that stuff. Derek, Justin, or Steve at thelifestylepractice.com. We'd love to hear from you and, and speak with you guys and gals. So with that, we will close out the week. Everyone have a good one and we will be back next Wednesday. Peace. Peace. Listen to be great.